Well, um, earlier this week, well, if you have your Bibles and want to turn to Matthew 25, we're going to be starting there, or going to be ending up there in just a little bit. Um, but uh, before then, uh, earlier this week, Betsy and I were watching a movie. It was uh, uh, called Collateral Beauty. It's on Netflix. And I'm not necessarily recommending it. I'm just talking about it because it sets up my sermon. Um, <laughs> but... Um, Collateral in this sense, it was used as an adjective. And so what it means here is it's, it's like subordinate or secondary. So secondary beauty. Um, you know, it's not obvious is what was trying to be conveyed. It really, it's kind of an odd title because the premise of, is, of the movie is about a man and his inability to cope due to the tragic loss of his six-year-old daughter. Um, and so it's, it's a very sober, you know, um, theme kind of running through it. Now, the movie actually takes place about two years after her death. Um, and so you're seeing that for the last two years, he has just not been able to do the things he needed to do. And it's affecting those around him. Um, you know, his marriage ended, um, which is not uncommon uh, for couples who uh, lose a child. And, um, you know, just his, he was a, owned a business and the impact it was having on the business and work and those around him. And, um, but the... the the, what it did throughout the course of this movie, it showed that certain things happened to him, certain events happened that allowed him to get his life back on track, that allowed him to kind of get recentered and, and re, refocus and to really find a renewed sense of meaning and purpose uh, for his life. Now, um, honestly, that's not my typical movie. Um, I'm, I'm in the Top Gun, Lord of the Rings, you know, give me a good adventure or a good comedy. You know, an Adam Sandler movie, you know, I'm, I'm all about those. Um, but this one was really good. Um, this is one that uh, it just, it really did, just, I think just really pretty powerful. <clears throat> and it made me realize that our attitude toward life is rarely about the specifics in our life. Um, but rather, it's about our per perception of those circumstances, so it's not the circumstances per se, it's our perception of those circumstances. So in other words, nothing changed for this man. Okay, his daughter was still gone. But his, and so his circumstances didn't change. However, his perception about his circumstances changed, and that allowed him to get his life back on track. How we perceive our circumstances will directly influence our behavior. How we perceive our circumstances will directly influence our behavior. Now, we see the same idea time and again um, in Scripture. Uh, and it's in a, a parable that we're going to look at this morning in Matthew chapter 25. And for the next three weeks, we're in a series which we've entitled Magnified Life. And uh, it's this particular, for three weeks, we're going to be looking at this parable um, in Matthew 25. The parable of, most of you may know it as parable of talents. Um, but with some of the revisions, especially the NIV, they now refer to it as the parable of the, parable of the bags of gold. Um, and so they've modernized or temporized it. But, uh, and I'll speak to that here in just a minute. Uh, but Matthew 25, we're starting at verse 14. And we're going to read through verse 18. So you can follow along on your Bible or app or on the screen, whichever works for you. <clears throat> so in this parable, Jesus is talking. He's talking to his followers. And he says, again, it, and he's talking about the kingdom of heaven. Again, the kingdom of heaven will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, and to another one, and to another one bag, 
each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who had received five bags of gold went once and put his money to work and gained five more bags. So also the one with two bags of gold gained two more. But the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. Now we're going to pause with the story here. Um, We're going to spend the rest of our time this morning here looking at what we've read so far. Uh, But before I go any further, let me, I just want to pray and just invite the Holy Spirit to help us see and understand uh, what's most important for us today. Heavenly Father, uh, for the, thank you for your word, and thank you for this parable that Jesus told that uh, even though it was a story to his followers 2,000 years ago, there's still relevance and it still speaks to us today. So in the next few minutes, Holy Spirit, uh, speak to us and speak through me. Uh, but Lord, even more than that, uh, speak what you desire to speak to the hearts and minds of our people here today. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. <clears throat> Now, there's much about this parable, about this story, that we just don't know. It's not given in there. For instance, uh, who was this man? You know, and um, where was he going? It says that he was going on a journey. It doesn't say where he was going. It doesn't say why he was going there. We don't say how long he's going to be gone, just that he was going. We don't know what kind of business he was, was, was in. So we know nothing about this man. We also know relatively nothing <clears throat> excuse me, about these three individuals, except they're referred to as servants. So whether or not they were true servants or whether they are employees of his that kind of managed his affairs, so we don't really know that. <clears throat> we also know <clears throat> excuse me, that they had differing abilities, whatever that means. Again, that's not clarified. Just said that he gave them money based upon their ability. Um, and so we know there was that. Now, while it doesn't tell us here in this passage, we know from other sources that speak to this time period in Israel and the Middle East that, uh, and again, most of our older Bible translations says that used that he gave them a talent, um, and a talent was a monetary uh, term, and a talent was equal to twenty years' wages of a common laborer. Okay, so a talent was kind of a big deal. And so a bag of gold in our context here was essentially a talent. And so, <clears throat> excuse me, so I thought, well, what would that look like today? And I, so I didn't try to do the, the transition, but I just took just the basic, like the, the, the minimum wage here in North Carolina is $7.25. Um, and so if, which is, comes out to roughly $15,000 per year, <clears throat> 20 years is $300,000. So the one servant who received the one bag of gold had roughly, you know, a th- or 300, roughly $300,000. <coughs> the one who had two bags, $600,000. The one who had five bags was roughly $1.5 million. So these were not insignificant amounts of money. They were significant amounts of money. Um, <coughs> the discrepancies between the two I don't think is all that relevant. Um, But we're going to pick up the rest of the parable over the next couple weeks. Um, But I think it's also important to mention that this parable, as I already mentioned, is found in Matthew 25. Um, Excuse me. I don't know if it's just the change in weather or the furnace kicked on this week, so it's affected sinuses, but um, I apologize. But so this is Matthew 25, we just read. In Matthew 24, so just a chapter before it, Jesus is talking, and he's talking about the end times. And he's talking about his second coming. 
In fact, he says, you must be ready because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. Then in chapter 5, the parable of the, the bags of gold is the second of three parables that are told back to back to back. And each one of them uh, conveys uh, similar ideas. One is, is about the uncertainty of the future and that you need to be ready. And that we need to use our time wisely with the time that we do have. And then chapter 26, it's the Last Supper and the betrayal of Jesus. <clears throat> so in the Gospel of Matthew, the parable of the talents are among the very last words that Jesus spoke while he was here on earth. And what do we know about the last words of people who know they're about to die? The words are incredibly important to them, aren't they? Excuse me. You know, so it's not like, hey, do you think it's going to rain tomorrow? You know, just, or, you know, who are you going to vote for in the next election? Or, you know, these, I've got limit. I'm, I'm making this time matter. I'm seeing the things that are most important to me, things that I really, really value. So we can be certain of this, that this parable that Jesus was telling wasn't just a cute story. It wasn't just something with a good moral idea or thought. This was very, very important to Jesus. Now, given the context of this parable, as it relates to other parables, we know that the bags of gold represent our time, our abilities, our talents, and also our resources, the things we have, our money, our, the things that we have of value. And we know that we're to use them to serve God with the opportunities that he gives us. That's the intent of this parable. Now, God trusts us to use our time, our abilities, and our resources in the wisest possible way. And so that's the idea that's behind this parable. For me, though, the question immediately comes to mind, why? Why would God give us bags of gold, or why would he give us time, abilities, and resources, and then expect us to use them for some purpose? I mean, why not just give them to us and let us enjoy them? I think there's a few reasons that God does this. I think one of them is that God gives us or presents us with opportunities to grow us. Um, shortly uh, after I uh, entered ministry, I was uh, serving at a, a, a church in the Pittsburgh area, and we're um, a youth pastor, and I'd only been there maybe a couple weeks, and one of the adult volunteers that was coming helping us with kids, and she came, and, and we met, and she said, you know, listen, I've been doing this for three years, helping out with the high school kids, and I just think it's time for me to do something else, and, which is not uncommon, any type of a leadership transition that there, this thing happens. And, and so I, you know, I affirm that, and I, you know, hey, thank you so much for your time, and you know, I'm sorry we didn't have a chance to get to work together more. But, but then I asked her this question. I said, hey, before you go, can you tell me how have you grown, how have you changed over these past three years that you've been working with high school kids? And so she started to tell me about, you know, well, I spent time with this girl and I invested time with this person and I did this and this. And I said, no, that's really great but, and, and really appreciate all that. And I think that's really valuable and meaningful. But how have you grown? What's different about you today than three years ago? And she just stared at me for about 15 seconds. It felt like 10 minutes. She had nothing. She had nothing. And I just thought, how sad is that? that she wasn't even conscious of what God was doing in her life. And I, I said, that will never happen again for me. People that work, I'm, you know, I, 
probably don't do it enough, but I'm, all, I'm asking Kate and Julia and others, what is God doing in your life this season? What's the theme? Is there something he's, how is he shaping you into the, like me, like Jesus Christ? See, here's the thing. I'm convinced that I believe God wants to do more in your life than through it. I really do. And that's not to diminish what God wants to do through us, but I think God has us in positions. He has us in certain circumstances. I think he has things that he wants to do in us because of his love for us. God is always at work in your life. And it gives you opportunities to use your time and your abilities and resources so you can grow and be better than you were yesterday for your benefit. I think God also gives us opportunities to glorify him. In John 9, where we see a story um, where a man was born blind. And the Jesus' disciples uh, asked him, he says, um, Who sinned, this man or his parents? that he was born blind. And uh, Jesus, and he said, well, it's neither this man nor his parents sinned. He says, but this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. See, the disciples had this idea that if you have bad circumstances, then you somehow deserved it. And so you're being punished. This is some form of judgment and kind of karma kind of an idea there that was being displayed. God was punishing him. And Jesus, in essence, was saying, you know, it's not always about you. <clears throat> Sometimes it's about God and what he wants to do. Now, here's what I know. Quite often, we can't control the circumstances in our life. Some of the things, that they just happen, we can't control them. The question is, will we allow God to work through those circumstances in a way that reflects the love of God? Will we allow... God, to use those circumstances in a way that reflects God's love. Can we reflect God's love, his joy, his peace, even in the midst of challenges? Sometimes God gives us opportunities to glorify him. I think God also presents opportunities to positively impact others. Now, there's a saying in the business world, we hire people based on their potential, we manage them based on their weaknesses. How many of you work for an organization um, where an annual review is standard? A few of you? Okay. <clears throat> Do you enjoy that experience? <laughs> uh, <laughs> I see one yes, mostly no's. Most people find them unpleasant. Um, and, and the reason is because they're too often they're used incorrectly. Um, that, th that the time is used to address problems or deficiencies or things that are wrong, and that's not, what that's not what they should be used for. There should never be any surprises in an annual review. You know, the question is, well, what will you, what will you do to improve next year? Honestly, this is my opinion. They're a waste of time. Now, the truth is, you need to manage your weaknesses, if you've got something, a behavior, there's something you're doing that is actually detrimental to you, it's actually hurting your ability to do your job or to be effective in what you're trying to do, you've got to manage that, all right? So it doesn't hurt you. But you should invest in your strengths. You manage your weaknesses, you invest in your strengths. So in other words, instead of trying to improve your weaknesses, spend more time doing what you do well. 
Now, the same idea is told time and again in the Bible. Use what God has given you to bless others. Now, what that means is that if you're a working woman with young kids in the home, don't beat yourself up because you're not spending hours per week volunteering. All right? That's just not your season of life. Are you retired on a fixed income? Then you don't need to feel bad if you can't be as generous as it used to be. Different season of life. Focus on the opportunities God has given you in this season of your life. God will bring opportunities to bless others that are consistent with who you are and with the season of life in which you find yourself. You don't need to create things to happen. God will bring them to you. Lastly, I think God presents opportunities to bless us. Um, I'm, I actually just realized, I'm, I'm, so my next setup here is actually for a TV show. So you think I just sit and watch movies and TV all day. <laughs> That's not true, but in this case, I have no defense. Um, those of you who might be familiar with the Big Bang Theory, I'm a very popular sitcom. One of the funniest episodes, episodes I ever saw had to do with Christmas time. Um, and Penny, the neighbor next door, um, um, brings quirky Sheldon a Christmas present. And uh, Sheldon is all upset. And uh, he, he actually said, he said, you bought me a present? Why would you do such a thing? You haven't given me a gift. You've given me an obligation. I now have to go out and buy you a gift of similar value and which represents a similar level of friendship that you've given me. I thought that was, that was really... Uh, now he, in, in the series, in the show, he finally relents and he accepts the gift only to discover that it's one of the best gifts he's ever received from anybody in his entire life. Um, and it's, it's a really funny um, segment there. But it was, it was really good, not because of the price, but because of the sentiment behind it, because of what it represented. See, he was so worried about what the exchange might cost him that he almost missed out on what he would receive from it. Have you ever done something nice for someone? You know, given them you know, something, or maybe you helped them, you gave them time, you did something for them, and, and maybe your heart wasn't really in it. And maybe you were kind of doing it out of obligation, and, uh, or maybe because your spouse volunteered you, or... Um, <clears throat> But then afterwards, then afterwards, you realize that you got far more out of the exchange than what you actually gave. Um, many of you know that uh, at Grace Covenant, all the pastors and directors are on an on-call on -call rotation, which means um, probably four times a year, um, you have a week. And it's usually from Tuesday, um, 5 o'clock p.m., so end of the workday Tuesday, through the next Monday, um, if somebody calls the church after hours, it goes to uh, the switchboard, which automatically forwards it to your cell phone. And so you get the calls that come in that week, and that's, you're the one that's on call that week. Um, and part of uh, that on-call rotation is that you do hospital visitations on Friday. And so if you've, we've got Grace Covenant, and this is all three, all campuses, so it's not just Statesville, I wish, because <clears throat> um, you are all rarely in the hospital, which is really nice. Um, so on the, when it's my turn, I, and I haven't, obviously, because of COVID, 
We've had two years here where that hasn't been the case because hospitals wouldn't allow you to go in. But normally, they're starting this up again now. Um, on Fridays, you'd spend the day making the rounds to the area hospitals, visiting Grace Covenant people. And I have a confession that there's uh, been many times, maybe not too many, um, but there's been times when I'm driving to the hospital and my mindset wasn't right. Um, you know, mostly I'm thinking about how much I hate hospitals. Um, but I'm also thinking about other things that I could be doing, you know, or should be doing, or just there's things, and it's like, oh, this is so inconvenient, and it's the time, and... But then, every single time, every time I do this, every Friday that it's my turn on call, and I'm driving home after my rounds, so to speak, I always find myself thinking, that was the coolest morning ever. Because I've just met some people I've never met before, some really amazing people. I've heard some stories of lives that are just, they're the coolest. And you realize that this, I mean, the, the, the interaction with people, and I had a chance to pray with people and connect with them on a level that was very deep and personal and, and just kind of an intimate connection with family members. And, and I just, I've discovered over the years that some of God's greatest blessings are disguised as inconveniences and interruptions. Sometimes God gives us opportunities simply to bless us. We just need to pay attention. Now, seizing these uh, God opportunities, one of the things we, uh, we notice that in the parable that two of the servants went at once and made more money. And the third, he dug a hole and he buried his one bag. Now, and as the story is told, and we're going to see this in subsequent, um, the, the next two weeks, the two who did something were to be admired. These were the people that did well. The one who buried his bag, um, he not so much. He's not one you want to do, um, uh, emulate. But it's important to remember that all three of the servants had the same opportunity. Two, the other two who did something, they could have chosen to bury their bags as well. Or the one who just had the one could have chosen to actually do something with the one. They had a choice to do. Regardless of how much they had, they had a choice to make as to what they would actually do with it. I think the same is true for you and me. We have a choice for how we will live our life this week. We do. We have a choice for how we're going to live our life with this week. So with that in mind, let me point out that opportunities must be discerned. The reality is not all opportunities are from God. Sometimes an interruption is just that. There have been times when I felt prompted by God to give away all the money I had in my wallet. Back in the day when I actually carried money. Um, <laughs> did anybody? I mean, just, I just don't care. I don't need it anymore. I don't need cash. But, but there were times where... I remember, you know, living in Southern California where there's a homeless person. And, and I don't always do this because but there's been times where I just felt like, no, today's different. And I don't know why, but whatever I had, I gave it to them. Um, and there's other times where I didn't necessarily feel that was necessary or appropriate, and I didn't. And the question always is, how do you know? How do you, how do you know? Is this one of those God moments? Is this one of those times that, honestly, there's no real... It's not a scientific thing. It's, it's kind of an, uh, uh, an art. But I think it all begins with just praying and asking God. 
God, what do you want me to do? Is this one of the, are you in this? Is this a situation, is this a setting that you're a part of here? How, how should I think about this? What do you want me to do in this moment? Sometimes God will make it very clear to you what you should do. Um, one of the things I quite often use, sometimes it's a spur of the moment. Like I said, you can counter the homeless person. You've got to make a decision then and there. Other times it's a prompting to do something, and you don't necessarily have to act on it right now. One of the things I've often relied on is just how do I feel after a day or two? If that urge or the thing continues to be there or even grow, then for me that's significant. I kind of take that as, no, the Holy Spirit's speaking to me. If a couple days have gone by and I've forgotten about it, that's also very telling. And that for me, that's just more in the moment, my mind, there was an emotional component there, and but really I, I kind of forgot about it. And I've also taken that as, as indication that and that was just me in the moment, and it's okay to let that one go. But you have to find out what works for you, and you just have to listen. And, and it's not an exact science. Sometimes God will make it very clear, and sometimes you just have to take a step of faith. Now, I say this a lot, um, whether or not, I don't know if I do it up here, but I say it a lot, is that you can practice for hours on end, but you don't know how good you are until you actually play the game. You've got to actually play the game. Sometimes you just have to take a step of faith before you can see God at work. And it's good to prepare. It's good to seek counsel. It's good to kind of get things lined up. But when it's all said and done, sometimes you still have to take this step of faith. Lastly, I think it's important to point out that opportunities from God require action and effort. Wishful thinking, good intentions won't cut it. You have to actually do something. Think about the most meaningful thing you do in your life these days, in this season of your life. What's the most meaningful thing that you do? I suspect that it's not always easy and convenient to do it. And yet, you do it. Now, it's also possible that you may look at your life and think you lack something meaningful. Maybe you're just going through the motions. Maybe you're just trying to get through the week and you're trying to help someone else's bottom line or you're just trying to keep things moving and, and yet there's really <clears throat> not that maybe, maybe you kind of feel like you're the one who's buried the bag. Now, perhaps this parable is God's way of getting your attention and saying, come on, get in the game. I've given you so much. Now, in the movie, <clears throat> Collateral Beauty, the man's loss was unbearable for him. <clears throat> what turned things around was that he slowly rediscovered all the other things in life that gave it beauty. It wasn't all at once, but just over time, little by little, he began to recognize the subsequent beauty, the beauty behind what he thought was his most beautiful thing was his daughter. Likewise, I would suggest... <clears throat> that you don't look at what you think are deficiencies in your life or what's not working or what you don't have. Instead, look for the opportunities God brings your way and make a commitment here and now to respond with action. Let's pray. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, as we have seen in this parable, uh, this, these three men were given an opportunity. Uh, they didn't uh, earn it. They didn't deserve it. They didn't ask for it. It was given to them. 
And Father, the same is with us as well, is that uh, you've given each one of us, Lord, each one in this room, each one of us has talents unique to us, has abilities no one else has, has understanding, um, has a perception, <clears throat> has resources, has, has something. Maybe it's time. But whatever it is, Father, you've given us each gifts. So Lord, this morning I pray that you would help us um, to take advantage of those opportunities that you bring our way, to use those gifts. And uh, Lord, that we would recognize that moment. And even when it's disguised as an interruption or an inconvenience or some kind of hardship, Father, if you're in the middle of it, may that be so very evident and so clear to us that we don't miss those opportunities. But Father, we're able to step into it and, and live that life and live that experience um, after which we can just celebrate and rejoice in being with you in a moment like that. Father, may we be that kind of people. And I'm just grateful, Lord, for each one. And for, Lord, to the many times in our, our community of faith here, Lord, where we've seen that happen, where an opportunity comes up and people just step up, whether it's giving money, whether it's giving a helping hand, whether it's giving time, whether it's just giving a word of encouragement. Father, your people are there. Thank you. Thank you that that's uh, who you've called us to be. And thank you that we get to live that kind of life. So, Lord, uh, for anyone here who might be feeling, um, Lord, insignificant or unimportant or unuseful, uh, Father, may that, may that perception, may that self-perception change even in this moment. May they recognize that. And, Lord, may you give them very tangible, very specific um, encounters this week that just allow them, that allow you to affirm your love and your giftings in their life. So, Lord, I just commit each one to you now. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. So, this week when an interruption happens or something, you're asked to do something you really don't want to do, just take a moment and pause. Say, God, are you in this? Is this you? And if you get that sense that maybe he is, jump in with everything you got and see what happens. Now, let me, also, let me add this. <clears throat> Sometimes you don't know. I don't, sometimes I wonder if it's, it's never a bad thing to do the right thing. I mean, sometimes it's just, you know what? There's been times where I've done something and I still don't know if that was God or not, but I helped them and they felt good about it and that's okay too. It doesn't always have to be this life transforming thing. Sometimes it's about being a good follower of Jesus. So is this something Jesus would do? Then do it. And then just rejoice that you have that opportunity. So, um, as you leave here today, if you'd like prayer, Dave and Jane are up here just to pray with you about something specific, if you'd like them to. Um, Erica has the uh, iPad uh, for um, the indoor picnic, so please uh, talk with her. And again, grab a cup of coffee, use the restroom, come back in for uh, pray together. Um, also, uh, before you leave, make sure you wish uh, uh, Tony and Arlene happy anniversary, because uh, today is their anniversary, and I'm sure... They love the fact that I just pointed that out to everybody. <laughs> let's, uh, let's stand for the benediction. <clears throat> May the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord smile on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord show you his favor and give you his peace.
In the name of the Father, and the Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. God bless you. Thanks for coming. Have a great week.